Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast. We're in a bit of a quandary, so we thought we'd open the floor and ask for some questions. There's nothing worth talking about on the pitch. Uh, so John, Edie and myself thought we would uh, just have a mailbag only episode because there's been a few things happening off the pitch that a few of you have got some questions over. Punt, let's jump straight into what social media asked us this week. There's a bumper mailbag, and I think it's kind of all around subject matter that um, might be quite obvious. I think there's no better place to start than our very own website editor, Mr. Nicholas Hayhoe, and he asks, I simply cannot believe that Stuart Webber, an intelligent person, thought that the Times interview would do him any favours, so why did he do it? And Nick is explicitly asking for Edie's raw and unfiltered expert PR opinion on the matter. So you may as well kick us off, Edie. So I think it took so many readings and re-readings to get one's head around that article. And what was amazing was that every time I read it again, there was something new that made me just go, yeah. so yeah, essentially the reason I think he did that interview thinking that he would be interviewed as a person, as a figure in his own right, and that kind of keys in with everything that's going on right now in terms of this gigantic radioactive midlife crisis. Um, and I think it's it's this is the folly of somebody who believes in honesty, top to bottom. That's a word he uses all over the podcast, and it's all part of the kind of key messaging, not of Norwich per se, but of his own personal brand that he sought to enhance through all of this ill-judged madness. And this is essentially someone who's mistaken honesty, I think, for authenticity um, and also for uh, accountability, because in his so many actions he's telling a story that isn't particularly helpful to fans and the club. Um, And then he just seems to say things and wants to be taken at his word. Uh, For example, the sort of charity motivation of of this mountain climbing um, thing. And essentially he's created this situation where he, if, if anyone went to their employer and said, I want to take on a really big challenge, no employer in the world would ever say, no, you can't do that. Um, but as long as key deliverables were were made um, and performance was uh, judged to be consistent, there's no way on earth that that kind of side quest would be judged to be terrible. But what, what's happened here is that this is someone who clearly, when it comes to honesty, I think it seems that honesty is there's only one person allowed to be honest because if more people around Stuart Webber were more honest with him, they might say that things were a bad idea. Um, and so this this idea of this cloak of invisibility of charity, he's kind of outraged and angry that despite this charity cloak, people have got angry. And then he's that's that can actually be an, a lovely misplaced bit of. Uh, of outrage. Um, so that's what ends up with a man who ostensibly says that he wants to inspire children or a disability children, as he phrased it in his interview, <laughs> um, has ended up, I, I don't know, how, how do you inspire children by shouting at a duvet cover? That's my question. It's It's gone so terribly wrong and I don't know who's 
advising him or who's he's allowing well, to advise so him? I think that's a really interesting question because the more eagle-eyed um, Norwich City fans among us may have seen um, a gentleman called Neil Ashton, who is kind of formerly of pretty much every tabloid rag there there is and formerly of um, Sky TV's The Sunday Supplement. He has been in the director's box pretty much every game, I would say, for this season. He also, as I understand it, is giving PR advice either to Stuart Webber or to the football club. But again, as I understand it, he's being paid quite handsomely for it. And he's he's there on match day, like kind of all the time. So we've now got a communications team at the club who think, who probably, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, may have thought that actually that interview with the Times wasn't a particularly good idea, especially given the optics of the fact that he'd, well, he'd previously turned down all the local media requests for for, for time because he was waiting for relegation to be confirmed. He then goes and does this to, to launch his charity, I think, but then kind of inexplicably thinks that, you know, football and the charity can can perhaps be, you know, kind of or aren't linked and it isn't going to come up in the interview, which is, just seems really daft to me. But you've now got a guy giving PR advice to either the club or the Webbers. And it's just, I don't know. I mean, how have we ended up where we're at, where he's made everything, and I would say he as in Stuart Webber, has made everything a lot worse for himself in the space of, you know what? It's, it was a catastrophic twenty-four hours, wasn't it? In terms of, you know, him confronting fans, him doing, you know, that interview going out from Henry Winter, and the result on the pitch and the performance on the pitch. It's just, it was a really dark, dark twenty-four hours. And I just think if that's the kind of PR advice that they're getting um, to do those kinds of things, not necessarily the confrontation, because I'm sure you know Neil Ashton wouldn't have advised him to have done that. But it's just, I don't know. There's so many bits about it which just smell really really bad don't they Thomas? there's a difference between sports pr and essentially like reputation management and i think that's the mistake they've made here is sports pr is very much about um it's, it's much more motivational it's much more about like building a kind of buzz about things Whereas reputation management is legit just is scrutinizing plans and going what can go wrong so uh, hiring a betting brand as your sponsor and either checking um, and seeing pornographic content and thinking it's okay or not checking, uh, that's that's not a good plan. Um, setting up Winter Wonderland and not really making sure that it goes well or has any kind of robust plan behind it, not a good plan. So it's 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 sort of all of this stuff is like you need somebody to look at all the cracks and anticipate disaster and no disaster has been anticipated so I think this is the sports PR thing but this is wonderful that actually well can you remember the heady days when all we had to talk about on a podcast was how shit the Norwich City Christmas Fair was and now here we are um talking about this um Edie I'd really like your take as well and this is something that I wanted to bring up the um, people may have seen that there's quite a notorious Twitter account um, that tweets Norwich City News and they had um, unearthed the fact that off the back of an Eastern Even News headline, Stuart Webber is now refusing to speak to Archant journalists and we understand that is definitely true as well. I think that's a terrible look 
when you need people pulling in the same direction and again does it kind of feed into this whole PR advice or is there some kind of siege mentality what I mean you know given the PR guru that that you certainly are Edie what would your advice have been to um to Mr Weber well it's it's the weirdest thing because um I've never ever seen the EDP um get to that sort of stage where I mean that's a really extreme font cover wasn't it Mm-hmm. And so it, you can see that relationships have really broken down there. But it makes sense if you think that Weber is like, he thinks we're small time. Is it worth everything just... he does implies that he thinks we're small time and that we're embarrassing, and he has to kind of concoct these other activities to kind of reinforce his own sense of 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 his status. Is but it worth just pointing out what was on the homepage? Uh, sorry, on the homepage. I, I live in the digital world. On the on the on the on the paper. Like, what what was it that that got his eyes? Because not, not everyone would have seen it. So, so it was a massive um, headline, and essentially, it was, "Do you really want to be here, Mister Weber?" I think was you know, I'm paraphrasing, but that was essentially it. That wasn't run in the EDP. It was definitely run in the Evening News, who have different editors whether that was an editorial decision or a sports desk decision, whether they talk to each other, I think would probably be um, up for debate because as I understand it, again, you know, kind of I think the club and the sports journalists at Archon all seem like they had pretty decent relationships, whether that, you know, kind of suffers off the back of this. I just don't think it feeds into this whole, and this is, you know, culture because, you know, I remember when we were promoted and everyone was saying, oh, the culture's brilliant and everyone's pulling in the same direction. And and then actually it was Stuart Webber who said, and that will be tested when things get hard. And it's things are really hard now. And actually it, it feels like it's all going to shit. And, um, you know, and, and actually the club probably are the catalyst for, for some of that as well. But and I don't I'll, think it's a, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of this is in the post Ben Kensel era. Mm-hmm. Um, so whilst not every decision ever made under Ben or under Ben's team was was right by any means, um, you know, and the the coming out and owning it element was really strong, and that was one of the things where when they made a misstep, including BKA, including other things, they reversed it. They certainly didn't react by refusing to speak to journalists or by you know, going out and shouting at a duvet or, I mean, it's not a good look to be, to have to be kind of restrained by your wife and bundled back into a building because it's not much different from being told it's not worth it, Jeff, and bundled back into a cab on, you know, Tombland at one in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when, when that wife is also, you know, part of the exec committee, it almost kind of doubles down and makes it even <laughs> so. It's basically a fellow senior employee of the club and your wife is bundling you back into a into a to stop you shouting at some bedclothes. It's, I mean, right? It's so, not ignoring the noise, is it? It's definitely go, not ignoring the noise. No, let's go to the let's go to the, the the protest. So first and foremost, ACN and any right thinking individual completely supports the right of anyone to protest full stop that's you know that you if you have if you feel passionate enough to scrawl on a piece of um uh home household apparel good for you you know that we should always live in a country where that is possible uh, not necessarily encouraged but possible so that that is that, that's that now having said that 
I think it's nonsense what was scrawled on it. Um, whilst also completely understanding the frustration that's at the root of why people might feel that they want to shout and swear at a building and then got lucky that actually someone poked their head out of a building. Or and was, I do believe, um, sorry to interrupt, but I believe that Gary, who shouted embarrassing, has now issued an apology via he the has. Eastern Daily Press. He yes, he has. He has. So, you know, passion has subsided. Embarrassing. But, but I, but I totally understand. I totally understand the um, the the ire uh, because watching awful performances and the, you know, I talked about it earlier in the season. The, the, what I dislike about the the Premier League, other than the lack of parity, um, which is the my number one problem with English football, European football, full stop. Um, my my issue with it is the just the embarrassment of of the fact that we were unable to correct the narrative and the fact that where we sit in the football, in the English football narrative is as a yo-yo team who actually are really quite tiresome to keep to everyone else to keep coming up because they, you know, whether or not it's you, you're accurate in your estimation that they can't afford to be here or you're, Oh, they don't, why don't they make an effort? You know, why aren't they trying to stay here? You know, they want to go down irrelevant of whether or not that's right or not. When you don't do anything to challenge that narrative, it is so embarrassing to, you know, when you go and you know speak. I work in London, so I go and speak to colleagues of other football teams. I, I interact with, no, I don't tend to interact with, interact with many Norwich City fans through work because most people I work with don't aren't from around here and don't live around here. You know, it is just tiresome to just be the butt of all of the jokes all season, all the time, and have absolutely nothing from an ammunition point of view to say, yeah, but at least we're playing brilliant football or yeah, but at least we are, you know, doing it. So I totally get why, why people want that to change where it falls down is the logic of, um, you know, like people are on social media that weekend saying, you know, it's, it's time, it's time to sell up. It's time to, for the takeover to take place. Brilliant. Okay. Who, which, which offer that they have turned down in the last, 10 years would you would you have them take because do you think for one second in this tiny little goldfish bowl of the tiny little sports market that is Norwich do you think there is any chance that if there was a bidder who as much as sniffed at Norwich then they would that would not make it into the local press bearing in mind it always gets out because it's in the bidder's interests to try and drum up fan opinion, to try and encourage the club to effectively look awful if they don't accept, even if the even if the terms to start with a a, a derisory or, or not what they want. It's just it's like you know protesting. I you know it's basically you might as well stood might as well have stood there with a sign saying down with this sort of thing, because it, it, there's no alternative. And whilst there's no alternative, be angry by all, by by all means. But you, un, unless there is a, a solution, you, you, your ire is is aimed at the kind of at the wrong place. And I don't know that kind so of. So what's the right place then? So what's the right place if you could, you know? I think that's that's where Norwich fans are at the moment. Is we don't know where to direct our anger slash frustration slash anxiety. Is that lots of people are just looking for someone or something to blame and the situation is a lot more nuanced isn't it it is and unfortunately Stuart Webber has to live with the fact that we as the guy who faces the transfers of Norwich City I mean and that is a is a a massive generalization because of Zoe's involvement in contract negotiation and all the rest of it and and Mariola um in the scouting team and the other scouts etc 
but he's the guy who fronts up as I'm the guy who's the sporting director and it ultimately it's his responsibility the he's product the on the pitch yeah he's the product it, it on, starts and it ends with the leader yeah so he's the product he, he's well he's the leader with regards to the product on the pitch and he's a shared leader of the of the wider football club which is I don't think the right thing either but um with regards to that the product being awful on the pitch if you're going to take the, the plaudits when it's good you've also got to have a way of fronting up and, and it's staggering to be trying to um do anything from a pr point of view or any kind of point of view to try and launch something and not in some way say front up and address the fact that look i re- you know we all have we've got things that we need to learn and things we need to improve on the pitch and this is something i'm doing aside um i i it's it just beggars belief that 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 he doesn't accept that he needs to ha- to create and start communication and the best way of doing that is to trust a journalist who aren't there to catch him out and and and, and headlines like that do you really want to be here that exists that that is only possible to print that in a vacuum and he's he's provided that vacuum by not being available by his media availability or lack of I think also um, it does really show that there is a revolutionary new point that perhaps football PR people and are not yet prepared for, where previously certain local newspapers in this area may not have printed very much news about certain Norwich players or former Norwich players who have been arrested for and prosecuted and jailed for pretty bad crimes. So for now, for a paper to actually be raising this sort of stuff and putting it on front pages, it goes to show that actually, whereas previously the the game would have been played by the sports journalists, now Archant needs clicks. It needs to align itself with the views of its readership. And I think what they've done there, rather than just keep this lovely, cosy relationship going, they've actually looked at all the message boards and seen that actually there's something that needs raising on behalf of their readers. So um, it's even more important in that climate and that new situation to build relationships and to have just a really concrete communications plan with them. Should we talk about the altercation a bit more and our kind of thoughts on it? Because I've... I mean, I was, I say, fortunate isn't the word, but I was about 10 yards away from it when it, it started to happen. And you could see the lads out there with the bed sheet and, you know, with the red writing on it. And they were obviously kicking off and there was security. And then just out of nowhere, Stuart Weber appears. And I didn't hear what he was saying, but he was clearly taking the bait. And there was, I don't know, some people have said that he was blowing kisses at them. I didn't see that, but he was definitely having it out with them. Um and it just, as I said before, you can't, it wasn't the best time to catch him because we've just lost 3-0. It's now inevitable that we're going to be relegated if it wasn't inevitable before. But you can't simultaneously say, you can't print on the walls of Colney, ignore the noise, and then confront fans, especially when that guy has actually put quotes out in the newspapers or um, interviews before, saying that he wanted to punch supporters in the face. You know, kind of, he was probably two steps away from potentially following through on on that threat does it feel a little bit like the beginning of the end game 100 it does it if it does and i think this is a wider debate and this is this is probably where the ownership comes into it but how long does that end game last and how does it affect norwich because i've said this 
on this podcast, I've said it several times, the biggest strength and the biggest weakness of not necessarily our owners, but the board itself has been implicit trust to the people running the club to run it, to, to run it as they see fit because they are football people and they have the expertise to do so. And when it's going really well, i.e., you know, Stuart Weber and Daniel Farker are ripping up the championship, that's amazing and everyone's on board. But when it's not going so well, what is the level of scrutiny in the boardroom? What are the, is, you know, the issue, the, what you said earlier, Edie, about key deliverables? What are the key deliverables that need to be achieved from the board's perspective to be able to, you know, kind of go about their business without that level of scrutiny? And given the fact that probably the most important employee at the football club, wife is now on that board are we concerned about the level of scrutiny that that might be offered because there's a clear conflict of interest you've got to be either one how can you not it... go on mate i was gonna say i mean it's it's impossible for there not to be a conflict of interest um you know we we you know we're talking about people that we've met and know a bit um and I, I was, as I said it at the time, hugely concerned when when Ben Kensel left because I, I I saw from the business side of things, having worked with him in a kind of you know I don't have that relationship anymore with the club. I've I've moved on from that job, you know, nearly two years ago. But having worked regularly as as a kind of client supplier relationship with the club and seeing the business workings of Carrow Road and 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 what the culture was like and how it was lived there I, I honestly i think there is I, I i just think you can draw a direct line between his leadership being taken from the club the business side of the club and how badly they seem to know how to act in almost every situation now and yes he's got nothing to do with with the fact that we're being relegated from a what's on the pitch point of view because he wasn't involved in that um and, and and yes, it's not that's not why there's people shouting at Stuart Weber, if you see what I mean. Although you do wonder whether or not under Ben, whether or not the way that this whole campaign and the mountaineering element would have come out would have wouldn't have been a timed better and b the re, the, the the kind of hand, holding our hands up to the reaction of it might have might might have been might have been timed better. I I, I was so worried when I when when it was announced, well, there's not going to be a replacement. We're just sort of going to divvy things up between us. I thought, well, hang on. None of you have done that job. You know, that that isn't the job you've been doing. Um, and you've only got to, you know, <laughs> take a cursory look at LinkedIn to see the steady stream of people that have left the club um, recently. You know, senior people, people who were, you know, involved in the day-to-day -day running of that club. And, um there's still some fantastic people there in the commercial team who were there under Ben's leadership. Um, there's some fantastic people in marketing, you know, who are performing their roles admirably in terms of what we, what the club being an important part of the community, making sure that from a kind of uh, a digital point of view, from you know Wi-Fi in the stadium, um, you know, fan hub, fan engagement, football in the community. Uh, more you know more corporate in uh, um engagement with regards to partners of the club who bring lots of revenue to the club that is all healthier than it's ever been 
and that you know and that all happened and started under Ben by recruiting and training up this fantastic team who are now leading it really well. But I I just feel like the the running of the club just feels like there's a vacuum there in terms of skill set since Ben K went and um that doesn't necessarily that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to stop us winning on the pitch but that the issue you've got is with Stuart Webber I honestly get you talk about personal brand ED his personal brand is I don't give a fuck his personal brand is I know more than supporters his personal brand is is almost going back to that famous quote that annoyed us all a few years ago what do they expect down there <laughs> that, that I almost feel like that is his that is his kind of approach to football supporters you know yeah with the lazy extra bit of doing something for charity so if people criticize you they're criticizing charity and so therefore they are the bad people well uh, yeah well i i you can yeah you can view it that way but uh, uh, put so put i'm almost putting that that side i mean that was just a yeah that was just a a pr partridge own goal He, he isn't um he isn't a he must be a nightmare to try and PR in any way. He must be an absolute nightmare because yep. he we've we've spent time with him and um you know his he is locker room bants. Like that is that's his sense but of humor. He is. But I think on that, mate, he clearly know when he goes into an interview, he clearly knows what points he wants to articulate and he clearly knows what he's going to say. So it should in, to an extent like it should be easier to PR him because it's no, not because like oh, fuck he's doing an no, interview no, and he's no, going to no, say you know, like he should have some idea. To, but they're the things he wants to get across, mate. That's the difference. My point is when when you want him to sit on something, when you want him to quash a, a, something that is his natural, um, his natural leaning towards something, that's the thing that must be an absolute nightmare. Like yeah, you know, okay. in terms in terms of getting him to not come across as adversarial to the people who ultimately pay his wages, you know. This is the thing. He 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 trots out the line. This football club is going to be here long after we are, when it suits him. Yet he also then you almost can't have that view at the same time as saying I can leave any time I want. You just think what? Well, which one? What are we? Are you lucky to have this opportunity, or are we? Are we the? Are we lucky to have you? Because we we feel like we. I feel like on balance. We are lucky to have had Stuart Weber at the football club because he and his scouting network and his contacts and um, and likewise Zoe have done some fantastic things in terms of the product they put on the pitch, the philosophy that they have either been part of creating or given Daniel the space to create with with th- those few years. That that's that. As far as I'm concerned, that isn't the same as Emmy going to Villa. It doesn't take away anything from how brilliant. You know, Emmy was went before he left. I, there doesn't nothing. Nothing's ever going to take away from Daniel and Stewart and that kind of three, two out of four year run that we had there. But but now there's this massive. You was talking about this being the end game. I just feel the reason that I said yes immediately when you said, "Is this the end game?" Is he doesn't seem the sort of person that thinks a he's done anything wrong. You mm-hmm. try telling him he shouldn't have done that. Zoe said Zoe will have um, a picture of the scene immediately after he's bundled into that into that corridor um back into the director's entrance and um, do you think there was any contrition there he said no I should have lamped him because because that's his that's oh yeah 100 pers- pers- he's not we're not getting a climb down he's from not him. suited he's he's achieved amazing things but he's not suited for the role that he's sitting in right now because no. he's a leader he's a figurehead how many businesses have had their CEOs completely 
just asked to leave immediately after saying something dreadful in the papers. Like it, it happens all the time. It's a business. It shouldn't be any different. And I know he can bring us, he's brought us various bits of magic over the years. But what's happened is anyone that can challenge him has been one by one disappeared and now there is nobody scrutinizing him and now he's like basically a former cutting edge rock star in his mid 40s has moved to switzerland for tax reasons and is putting out <laughs> dog shit albums <laughs> that's okay. where he is now steel well, shelf is... and steel and there is no steel around him so this is the thing this is the other thing that i, I worry about for us as fans pe- people who you know whether or not we want to or not find it very difficult not to adjust our mood based on how norwich get on um i do not the timing is awful because i want him as motivated for this football club as he has ever been because we're about to need to really fucking nail the the next set of transfer decisions do you know what i mean like we, this, this is the time of year the Stuart weber earns his money like who are we going after what is that short list which markets are we going to get better value in buying players than others um you know how are we strengthening and shaping this squad who are we keeping who are we getting rid of we, you know, well, I, 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 think, I, I think the who we're getting rid of right now, the who we're getting rid of is really important. So I, I started thinking about this this morning when we we knew we were going to podcast, and it was ultimately, I think, for balance, we need to. And you've just touched upon it there, Tom. We need to say, like, how do we ultimately judge Stuart Webber's tenure? If he went tomorrow, like, how would we judge it? Does he leave us? And I think this has always been his measure. Does he leave the football club in a better place than he found it? And you would undoubtedly, right now, say. The infrastructure is better. Actually, the facilities at Colney are better. The squad is is arguably better than, than when he found it. Yep. The transfer criticism, the players that he signed, certainly in in the Premier League, I think the criticism around that is, is 100% fair. But I think we have to consider his ability to extract value out of the players that we've got in the squad, i.e. when and who to sell them to. So if you look at, say, someone like Ben Godfrey, £25 million in the bank. Is he ripping it up for Everton now? Absolutely not. Jamal Lewis, £13 quid. Definitely not ripping it up for Newcastle, not getting anywhere near the side. Both the Murphy twins, £20 million combined. And actually, all right, Jacob's doing okay for Newcastle, but Josh, I think, you know, it, it's, his career is is really languishing. Love to seven... see Jacob last week, by the way. Like, really, like, he... every corner he's tapping the fans. That was terrific. That, that's a prime example of someone who left at the right time for a yeah. good value to, to, a, to a good location and, and has basically, you know, well, to be fair, his brother has as well, but he's obviously he's not as visible um, and just comported himself in, in the right way. Similar to James Madison when he came back. It is possible to leave one club and go to another and still be a good guy. But, but I think the point that I'm trying to make, and, and Marley Watkins, actually, weirdly enough, leaving for a seven-figure fee when we've signed him on a free... Yeah. Those kinds of deals demonstrate that Stuart Webber, when Should've selling players, that, really. <laughs> can can be an absolute wizard. You know, kind of there is no. So I think we we need to judge him on the whole body of work that he's undertaken, and that does include the failed Premier League recruitment. But that does include his ability to have, or you know, his, his absolute ability to have put this football club on a much better financial footing than when he found it, and to have improved all the facilities around him. But this does feel like the end game and it does feel like, right, so what do we do next? Um, So, Edie, what do we do next? Well, I think just to add to that, the levels of anger, um, which at various stages we're all feeling about things, um, come from the fact that we've we've just, this the squandering of something so astonishing. It's that anger that comes from when you see someone that has so much promise and so much talent and, and, you know, 
achieve so much then just basically let it all run down the drain for for shits and gigs but um are you talking about Lorne leaving the podcast <laughs> yes <laughs> but um no it's it's in terms of what comes next i this is this is where it gets like right now it's entirely still possible. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen any of the TV dramas about the uh, Theranos and WeWork kind of incidents. Yeah. It's entirely possible to go back to the board right now and go, sorry, Icarus, I flew too far, too high. I did loads of dumb stuff. I've ruined it. Sorry, and, I'm oh. still not. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Siri's trying um, to yeah. work out whether or not you were being Icarus or you were talking to Icarus. Yeah. Like that. That's what, yeah. So it, it, essentially, like a bit of like recognizing of what's gone wrong and a bit of accountability i think there's still a chance to reel this back in because everyone's angry because they want what was there before to come back and this mountain stuff is getting in people's faces big time cost of living crisis terrible performance um overall as we exit this season um it didn't have to be this way and it was so pointless so i think it's entirely possible to just rein this stuff back in because everybody knows that the alternative is a bit tricky to find and locate and sort and i think like for me what i'd like to see is is actually just a readjustment of this scenario and the setup that has allowed this insanity to occur and just more regulation more checks more scrutiny and that involves the addition of people like more people in the board perhaps that can actually challenge these dumb decisions um that's 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 what i want to see next because in terms of like ripping it all up and burning it to the ground to start again um that's that's a very uh end of the last decade kind of vibe mm. and we've seen how that goes politically it's, it's going to be fairly similar footballily so um yeah that's i'm just i'm really conscious that this is a listener question um podcast and we've taken one listener question so shall we have another which kind of feeds into this which is from Stuart wardrobe and he asks it's crystal ball time where do you think we will be as a club, both on and off the pitch, in twelve months' time? Tom, do you want to start us off? Um, off the pitch, in twelve months' time, I don't think Stuart Webber will still be with us. I do think Zoe will. Uh, I think there will be a new CEO, COO, some kind of chairman style position who will come from football elsewhere uh, maybe someone from the lower leagues um won't be that much lower than us because um I, but I, I think on, on the pitch and I and I basically think that I can't see Stuart Webber ever climbing down from anything so I think he'll basically continue to get cross leave uh and but um, he's got to climb down from the mountains mate yeah very good so I think the uh soft pitch I think things will calm down over the summer when it's quiet um and we'll have a new kind of structure in place there from uh, um, on the pitch. I I don't think there's going to be that much activity in terms of the squad. I think we're not going to have that much of a different squad. I don't think you're going to get much value for many of the players. And the contract situation is that I think we probably can afford the couple that we want to hold on to. And the rest will probably will kick the can down the road and see how we are in January. So um based on that squad and what I think is possible from that squad and the little glimpses just in the last few weeks we've seen of 20 minutes here, 15 minutes there where we can play a bit of decent stuff. I, I can't see how this team can't be in and around the playoffs this time next year, but certainly I can't see a 99 point title winning 
campaign. Edie, what do you reckon? One word, fallow. This is this is our four field rotation system is oh. completely gone to pot. So this oh, is our man. fallow period. Is that it? Yeah. That's depressing. There's, there's, yeah, next year. But the thing is, you do have to, springs have to coil in order to explode upwards. Like, <laughs> you, you're going to have to have some time with nothing. It's what they call in the therapy business wintering. It's where you just, you, you, you knuckle down, you take care of yourselves, you get your bearings back, and then you can start to rebuild. So it will be quite boring, but it needs to be boring because it's just been a bin fire for the last year and everyone needs to chill out and just you know get back into the routine of getting on the train going to the match watching the match getting on the train coming home and then thinking about other things at some stage in their day blimey well that's cheered me right up for for what it's worth i yeah for what it's worth i i can't I can't disagree with Tom and I like to disagree with Tom whenever possible, but I do think that actually there will be a period of flux and change in the boardroom and in within senior leadership roles. And it will be really interesting to see how that shakes out. I actually think in terms of I've watched a fair bit of championship football this season, quality wise is an absolutely dreadful division. So, you know, that we should be punching at the top of that league. And if we're not, there is, very serious questions to be asked very quickly. Um, all right, let's have a couple more questions. Duncan Edwards, I really like this question, um, although you'd have to have seen the Twitter clip to have appreciate it. But he asks, if you were to burn your city shirt, what would be the accelerant of choice and would you draw on it with crayon first? And this is obviously alluding to the video that came out on Twitter of a young man burning his own... Burning his Norwich shirt, and he'd written on the back something like zero, the nut, you know, the the obviously the numeric zero, and then put like ambition and fight and all the rest of it, which I thought was interesting. Probably they the club shop wouldn't have allowed them to to officially print that on a shirt, but also he did it with this season's shirt, which he'd have either had to pay fifty quid for, or even if it's in the sale for now, like you know twenty five something like that. So. um Tom, I know you've got to go very soon because you have, you know, kind of actual work-related business to do. But, um, yeah, what would be your accelerant of choice to burn a Norwich City shirt? I would go for a Molotov cocktail. I've been watching a lot of Band of Brothers recently. Um, <laughs> I'd make a Molotov cocktail and, and, and be really performative about it, drop it from a really great height, maybe off the side of St. Giles Car Park. Um and uh yeah i would set up uh get my my best friend's drone on the case to sort of um, get it put it together and then effectively probably put some drum and bass shit on it cool well that's nice nice Edie, very do you have before tom goes do you have anything very quickly that you'd like to add yeah and i think i would essentially just flambe it like a, in a french restaurant nice brandy yeah probably please. like some some food like voila i would say like that so we've we've gone through some of your questions. We we didn't get to all of them. Sorry that we only got time for for a quickie, but we will see what the weekend brings us in terms of media availability, conversations, and see how things move on. And we, depending on whether or not we get any inkling as to how things might be progressing off the pitch, we may well um, 
kick this debate on further next week but in the meantime we appreciate you listening we appreciate you getting involved on the old medias of social any extra questions as and when they occur to you feel free to just shout it over um on the twitters and uh, enjoy um whatever you're going to do this weekend that doesn't involve football i think we might have got to to that point now mind how you go